0: Welcome to KC Corner episode 67. You know what's great about 67, Brooks? What's great about 67? <laughs> uh, that is the number of the street
1: that I grew up on. That's 67 <laughs> Woodbury Road. So 67 is important to <laughs> that's me. Not the,
0: that's not the lake house, is it?
1: No, no, no. Uh, you know what? No, that was uh, 26, now that I think about it. But um, 67 was a home in New Hartford, New York, okay. uh, which is up outside. Is that Utica. western New York or upstate? No, please bite your tongue. Um <laughs> Yes, I was born in Buffalo, but this is really central New York, Utica. Uh, okay. It's it's kind of in between Syracuse and Albany, and I'm sure you have no idea where that is, but it's uh, way up there. It's just due south of the Adirondacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's just right in the heart. Utica was a great Dunder Mifflin branch. Oh, that's exactly <laughs> right. I think it that's where was. Holly was yeah, I mean, transferred that's right. to. <laughs> and that's where... Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Andy. Yes. We? So, so, yes. uh, the Utica office, office. <laughs> so I it's don't, Utica's famous. Utica is famous. And you know what? I don't want to claim it. It's kind of like, uh, Hey, when you, you when you say that you're from Orlando, mm-hmm. when you're out of state, you know, you're not really from Orlando, you know, Popka you,
0: represent exactly.
1: You're <laughs> a Popka or, or now Maitland. Yeah. Um, so there's a real difference. So new Hartford's where I grew up is a, a beautiful suburb of Utica mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, so
0: 67. New York State geography this morning. There you guys. go. It's, it's <laughs> and a Dunder beautiful, beautiful thing. How do
1: you beat that? You know? <laughs> we, we
0: got it all. We got it all. <laughs> so you wrapped up your sermon series, Pillars of the Faith, this week um, with the for the glory of God alone. Well, Part five.
1: You know, each one of these pillars can somewhat stand alone as this incredible truth, but there's so much... Uh, truth that is, is put together. I mean, they're all, they were given to us like, hey, it's all by God's grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, scripture alone, according to the glory of God alone. But the glory of God alone, Brooksy, I mean, that is like, okay, this is the bottom line reason. You know, what is this all for? I mean, why are we here? And, mm-hmm. you know, really um, what I meant to say uh, was, you know, let, let try, I love that Einstein quote that we started with of, you know, what is the real true definition of genius is mm-hmm taking the complex and making it simple. And all of our lives um, have a tendency to become more and more complex Mm -hmm. and more and more stuff competing for our interest and getting in the way. And if we can boil it all down, we are here for the glory of God. We're here for him to know and enjoy him forever. And, uh, um, you know, trying to live through that filter. And Mm -hmm. so as we landed that plane, it's just to say, hey, and doing all things for The glory of our great God. So, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, for a non believer to hear all these stories and sermons and maybe just starting to go to church, it's probably a lot of information to handle at that time. But to just boil it down to that makes it a whole lot easier for sure.
1: Well, I loved it because even Caleb, my own son, you know, after church said, Hey, Dad, that was really gave me something to think about for Monday morning. You know, really one little handle. And I think. Sometimes there's so much to say. I mean, the glory of God is so big. I mean, Mm -hmm. God, God did everything for his glory. He created the world to display his glory. He's redeemed us to show uh, through us his glory and Mm -hmm. to know his glory. And so, you know, to boil it down to that one thing, it's still hard to remember, Brooks. I mean, I was this week, okay, I'm doing this for the glory of God, right? I'm doing this for the glory of God. I mean, it seeps out of us, but but being made in His image, you know, how do we boil it down to that? It's a beautiful thing.
0: I think through some of the Tim Keller stuff we went through in the small group, Casey groups, like in the spring or fall, mm-hmm. uh, talking about work and your job, like finding glory for God in that. If you're just in Excel or you know data crunching or whatever, yeah, yeah. trying to find the glory for God in that is definitely tough.
1: Yeah, and you know, and there's some things you, you know you, you, when you look for it in the micro, it might be a little bit harder. <laughs> in to this see. exact Excel cell, exactly. But at the same time. God's a God of order, you know, he, he's a God who's created, and he's given us the ability and math and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. uh, it's good stuff.
0: Yep, yep, and then you gave the shout-out to John Piper. He was a, a little bit allowed to change the Heidelberg Catechism. You know,
1: he, he, he's, yeah, he did a good job. It was a good a, a change, so uh, hey, uh, keep talking. I'm going to turn off the air conditioning.
0: Okay, I'll, I'll uh, filibuster for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now that we've finished... Pillars of the Faith uh, sermon series. You said you're doing a one-off kind of one this week, and then starting a new one. I am. It's going to be a kind of a one-and-done, uh, kind of a nice little <laughs> a quick
1: hit, uh, a transition uh, reality. But uh, you know, I, I'm really excited because this summer, what we, what, where we're going to head is through the book of First Timothy, and it's where Paul writes to a young pastor, and he really kind of gives him some great instruction about how to help build the church, and this was. You know, just think of when this was happening. This is the real early church of the Book of Acts, and um, and here's Timothy is going to be a key figure, and Paul's going to write him two important letters. And in those letters, there's so much depth of teaching that King's Chapel needs to know and hear about who should be the officers, and, and, and uh, how should men and women act, and all the things that we've been talking about with Casey Essentials, and uh, all the things we've been looking at and wrestling with as we as a church are moving forward. So it really felt led to 1 Timothy, um, it's six chapters. So we're going to do that, uh, come in two weeks, beginning of June, we're going to start that. So you got this one week of uh, holiday weekend of transition and mm-hmm. honestly, it's kind of like, okay, I, I didn't know where I was going to go with it and it was out of my devotions. And so I'm just reading through first Samuel and, uh, you know, the book of judges, uh, is, going to end with a cry saying, hey, there was no king in Israel at this time. And people were just doing whatever they thought was right. And we clearly need a king. And the book of Samuel is going to emerge and the people are going to ask for a king, but they're going to ask wrongly. They're going to ask for a king like the other nations. They want to be like everybody else. and um, But God wants to be their king. And God wants to be the one who chooses their king, a king after his own heart. And the people's first king is Saul. And Saul is going to be chosen because he's physically a head taller head and shoulders taller sticks out because Mm -hmm. of his fig, his big boy, boy. (laughs) his physical prowess is going to make him stick out. And that's often true through life. You know, you notice those who, you know, are, are gifted physically. Um, but he's somebody who's a dwarf spiritually, somebody who really misses it. And, uh, in the chapter 15 is a lot of his downfall. Um, and and it really reflects his heart of leadership that is not god-centered it's man-centered it's egocentric and it, it's uh um and so as we were moving along I'm just reading this i'm thinking wow there's so many things here that clearly show this is wrong leadership and this is he is missing it i mean there's there's like clear swings and misses as you look at this i, thought, I gotta teach this i gotta So I started thinking, do I add another KC Essentials? You know, when do I teach this? And just like, why not preach it here Mm -hmm. coming up? So that's coming up. Um, I love it because we'll be in the Old Testament just for one uh, chapter. And, you know, the hard thing for me is, Brooks, like we just did right now, I gave you a little context, you know. And I think the story fits a whole lot with a a little bit more context. But Mm -hmm. it's kind of like if you take somebody to a baseball game and you want to give them a little context, it's going to be hard for you to give them someone a little context. You want to, you want to tell them about the dimensions of the field. Mm-hmm. You want to tell them how genius it is. of, of sixty feet six inches. Uh, uh, you want to tell them the genius of ninety feet to the corners. You know, and, and just the beauty and the symmetry of baseball, but you don't want to lose them. You know, you don't want you, you just want to start about, with the big picture. <laughs> exactly. You're trying to score a run here. Yeah. You know This is it, a sport, first exactly. of all. <laughs> you don't want to start over with how many ways can a guy reach first base. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: so, it, it's it's like in Christianity, like starting with Calvinism. It's like, oh that. yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, let's just throw <laughs> Starting you're starting you know. way too deep here. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and even scripture talks about that. You know, we start off on milk. We start off uh you know, we don't throw him a piece of meat right away. You know, mm-hmm. you just kinda Take the uh, the first baby steps of of wrestling with it. So, good good point. So that's that's going to be this Sunday. Really looking forward to it. Um, kind of a one and done. But this Sunday I'm baptizing the twins. My twins. oh really? Yes. Wow. Yes. Zuzu and Ford. Yes.
0: <laughs> Susanna,
1: Catherine, Ford, Lawrence gonna be baptized. Two
0: of the cutest kids in the world. Oh my goodness! It's gonna be
1: fantastic. So it'll be, be a great Sunday then. It'll be a great Sunday. Looking forward to it.
0: Well, we can move into our book and officially start in chapter one here um, with Tim Keller, the reason for God. You know, really, it wasn't a
1: great chapter, and, a great and I love chapter. the fact. You know, I think in God's good providence, having Tim Keller with the mind that God give has given him the the ability and a desire to study the way he has, the way that he can communicate, but put, to put him in the New York City, I mean, to put him in a city like that where mm-hmm. you know he is always going to be bombarded with the questions that he writes on now, you know, of like, you know, the exclusivity, the problem of Christianity is is exclusivity. And, and, uh, you know, even that thought of, can we ever have world peace, if if every religion thinks they're it, and Mm kind of what comes out of there, I thought that was a great argument. Yeah. And so
0: this chapter, first one's called, there can't be just one true religion. And again, Mm -hmm. this is an apologetics book, kind of like you're talking about, and I like how each chapter starts with a little like conversation or quote from yeah. two people that he was talking to in New York. And a lot of it, uh, a disclaimer that's like a finance guy or works in art in Soho yeah, yeah, and just yeah, things yeah. that you would expect in New York. It, it, exactly. And you know what? But I think there are questions that we all could
1: relate to as yeah. well. You know, it kind of sets the context in a way like, oh, I could hear that. Or I could even hear myself saying that mm-hmm. or certainly hear someone asking me that question. So you know, it kind of uh, boiled down to It's like this intolerance to believe that one faith has a, a a better grasp of the truth than others, and all they're are uh, the same. And I love the way he outlawed that, saying, "Hey, there's this thought of religion is the problem of the world, and so you know the world will never have peace when there's this these crazy religious zealous kind of people." So he broke it down to say, "Hey, how, how do you outlaw religion, or condemn religion, or radically privatize it?" And I thought that was a really good way to think about that because I think we've seen that throughout history and even as you start hearing other arguments ah, oh, I think they're trying to outlaw it, you know or I think they're trying to just condemn it or try to radically privatize it which I thought was really interesting
0: mm-hmm, yeah and the fact that He's talking about when people are arguing or making laws for countries or states or anything like that. Uh, Secular people want religious people to leave that stuff at the door, where that's our most important thing, what we base our moral values on. So he talked about uh, marriage and divorce, like depending on what you value is how hard it is to divorce someone. Yeah, exactly. And no one is going to leave their values at the door. Mm -hmm. You know, know, they want us to
1: leave our religious values, you Mm -hmm. know, what we see but they're bringing their secular values. And so it's like, hey, what is most important to you, near and dear? It's secularism to some, and it's it's our belief in this this Judeo-Christian God and, mm-hmm. and his word. And so uh, no one can leave those a- a- aside. So, And it's interesting when he says, hey, let's try to outlaw religion and how well that's done. Well, obviously, anything we've seen through history trying to outlaw religion, it grows. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's just... Uh, Uh, when it tries to be suppressed uh, it seems to be uh, there's a phrase a long time ago that said the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church and really what that was saying is you know those who were killed for their faith wound up in you know really helping it grow in an incredible way then then to kind of condemn religion you know kind of that hey one belief can't be uh, um, better than the other I, i love this quote he has it says it's no more narrow to claim that one religion is right than to claim that uh, one way to think about all religions, namely that they're all equal, is right. You know, mm-hmm. so to say that no one is right is a is a authoritative claim, and that's a authoritative authoritative claim in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are all exclusive in our beliefs about religion, but in different ways. I think I think that's the brilliance of Keller is that, uh, and it's not just Keller, but this is where he brings the light and maybe makes it simple. The complex simple is, mm-hmm. hey, look at them. They're making an exclusive claim. All religions can't be, you know, they, they can't, there can't be one that has uh, the truth. All religions got to be equally um, acceptable, you know, mm-hmm. equally good. And mm-hmm. that's a that's a statement in and of itself That's that's so you know exclusive (laughs) you're making an exclusive statement to try to say that the exclusivity of, of one religion cannot work and it's it falls upon itself and i think that that's where i love to see keller is he shows these arguments of how they're they're empty you know and uh they just don't work and even as you were saying earlier like hey let's keep religion out of politics let's keep religion out of decision making okay let's just if that works for you just keep it private uh, and he talks about, hey, you know, you, you may want to call this religion, but it's really a worldview. Mm-hmm. And that, quote, everyone lives and operates out of some narrative identity or worldview. And that's so true. Let's hit pause there, Brooks, and say, I know I live my life out of a worldview, a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. I live my life, and it's a beautiful worldview. It's a because... I'm loved by God who is, and I am forgiven and free in Christ Jesus. And, you know, I have purpose that we are to make all things new through Christ here. We're, we're to bring beauty uh, into the void here. And so, um, you know, the worldview gives me hope for today and bright hope for tomorrow. So anyway, let me, let me finish this quote. Everyone lives and operates out of some narrative, uh, whether it is uh, thought out and reflected upon or not. All who say you ought to do this or you should not do that reason out of such an, uh, an implicit moral and religious position. So anytime someone says, you know, all religions are equal, or, or you should think this, or you shouldn't think that, you know, they are bringing their uh, worldview into the position. It's almost mm-hmm. like, hey, a secular worldview is accepted, a Christian worldview or other religious real worldviews, how to be rejected. And that's just, it that doesn't stand.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, I'm kind of near the end of the chapter. He talks about how, God's grace is for broken people, not the rule followers or the morally superior superior or anything like that. He even says that believers are going to recognize that there's non-believers that are even more morally superior to them and follow rules better and aren't as broken. And
1: it's so good. And I think that uh, I love that, too. Thanks for bringing that up, Brooks, because it really kind of ends with why Christianity is a greater one. It's like a lot of times if you believe we have the truth, we feel superior to you. You know, hey, our belief is is the best belief system. We are, let's say, the smartest. We we are the most enlightened. We are the most whatever. Mm-hmm. But Christianity says, if you really embrace this, you realize. It, it, he talked about two things. He says, everyone's made in the image of God. This universal image bearer of God. So there's an equality of being, and then the the universal. Uh, uh, depravity of man sinfulness of man if, if Christianity teaches us all have worth because they're image um, mm-hmm. uh, we shouldn't be killing them flying into uh, uh, planes in the buildings or whatever and, mm-hmm. and uh, um, but all have uh, all have need of a savior and it should be uh, humbling you know mm-hmm. and 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 we should be working for the common good it's not just the survival of the fittest you know it's a uh, it's completely different mindset worldview that will ultimately produce peace mm-hmm. um it's and so if, if when it's executed into christ like why
0: yeah and at the very end of the chapter um uh, he ended it with <laughs> at the very heart of christianity was a man who died for his enemies praying for their forgiveness so praying for the sinners and broken people man that's
1: just incredible isn't it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. golly <laughs> it's for and, the broken
0: people like us <laughs> well i mean
1: jesus man just just you know you said that brooks and i just think man what a what a I mean I don't really have words. I want to say what a stud. I mean, that is not enough. But you know what what a what a true man. What what an incredible savior. I mean that's just that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it it just, is incredible stuff. It, it really is. You know, I, I'm going to I'm going to pull in real quick, you know, this is uh, I'm going through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, try, I try to take 30 every every month and go through them and um, there's one that just that I just there's several that are that are incredible. Um, but uh, it's a couple in a row that talk about how great God is, and yet how merciful God is, and so
0: oh, me, filibuster me, for you. You're flipping through your little uh, flashcards <laughs> there. <laughs> I know. I, um,
1: you know, it's uh, Psalm 145 in verse three is going to say, "Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable." And so, I think the point they're trying to make is great. You know, <laughs> yeah, you know, I think so. Yeah, the Lord is great; He's greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. And then it goes on to say in verse eight, "The Lord is gracious and merciful." slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. And I just think, wow, you have this strength and greatness and you have this tenderness and mercy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think on the cross, we see all of that, um, really operating as we see the incredible, uh, strength and grace of God, um, and the mercy and the, and, and the love and compassion of God. And that Jesus, uh, would be gracious and strong enough to not only die for us, but ask God to forgive those who are killing them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a good great stuff. stuff. Good yeah. stuff, man. Good it's stuff. It's a good book to go through, so we'll keep going through it each week. Yeah. The Reason come, for come God. Jo-
1: come join us. Hey, we, I think I uh, gave away, oh, I think there might be one more at church, so if you uh, go in the back foyer there, uh, the table that has some some books, some resources uh, there might be another one. You can snag it. <laughs> and It's a popular one. It is.
0: Uh, any KC updates before we head out?
1: Hey, we've got a big weekend coming up. I think we mentioned that. Um, and we'll start June with communion. Uh, uh, the great news is we're scheduled to have mulch on the playground this there Sunday. Go. It's, it's going to be uh, uh, put put in, installed. I think it's get actually blown in. I think they take something out there and they blow it in. I don't know how that works. but uh, Above uh, our pay grade. Uh, yeah, exactly. But it sounds pretty amazing. So... Uh, <laughs> Um, but it's great we, we, we finished up uh, KC Essentials those are all online and, mm-hmm. and able to be um, a resource for folks so um,
0: good stuff yep go listen to those and it, we'll see you guys Sunday it sounds great thanks Brooks go Bolts go Bolts